0: Good morning, everyone. So, I'm Rich Schulte, I get the pleasure of serving on the Executive Board here at Third. And each month we try to do some updates. And so this month, we'd like to talk a little bit about the Sending Network. So you might uh, remember that we're coming up about on a year, second week in June will be one year from when we left the RCA and joined the Sending Network. And so, uh, some of you may have some questions like, who in the world is in the sending network by now so I'm here to tell you so there's a list of 11 churches thus far uh, Adventure Life in Altoona Bethany in Des Moines Celebrate Church in Knoxville Central Church in Oskaloosa Crossroads Church in Norwalk Ebenezer Church in Leighton, First Church here in Pella Otley Church in Otley Prairie Ridge Church in Ankeny The Way Church in Newton and of course Third Church The exciting part is, it doesn't end there. So coming up on June four, we will be welcoming the 12th church. That church is Westview Church in Waukee. They'll be joining the network on June four. So that's exciting. So the next question you might have is, so I know the churches, but, so what's Ascending Network doing? What are they learning about, how are we growing? So some of the major tasks that have been developed include the training of future pastors, that's a a big one. How do we train new leaders and encourage new leaders? Uh, Part of that would be the credentialing of those future leaders, and then the possibility of creating relationship friendships outside of the current network, not only here in Iowa, but then looking across the country to see how we can have more churches join that are not even here in the state. So in the past few months, we've had some events. So that's kinda like what's been happening. Well, we had Preston Sprinkle here for the Sexuality, Gender, and Identity Conference. There was a prayer leader training event to equip prayer ministers and congregations throughout the network, and then also just recently, the Rhythms of Grace Conference that Bill and Christy Gaultier led us in. So those are a few of the events. More events are being planned, uh, even in this last quarter of 2023. So, who is the executive team for this group? Well, that would be Andrew Schmidt from Knoxville, Bob Johnson from here in Pella, Steve Harrima at The Way in Newton, and Pastor Corver representing Third Church. What do they do? They meet each month for a day, and spend time in prayer, and encouragement of each other, and then also looking for ways to enhance the current network and then expand beyond what the current network is. So a lot to be thankful for. Um, and so I just, I share that with you. Um, but what can you do? Pray, okay? Pray, pray for the leaders, not only here, but in the other churches that are part of the network. Pray for the hearts of those churches that are considering being a part of the network. That they might um, come to an understanding and a discernment of whether to join or not. And if they do decide to join, how can we come alongside them and be good friends to them as they join? So keep praying uh, and we're so thankful for what you've already done already in supporting our leaders. So now if you'd join me in prayer, uh, we'll go on with the rest of the service. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for how you have guided and directed this church in the past, right now, and what you promised to do in the future. We're thankful for Kevin and his leadership, not only with the leadership team here, but other leaders in the network. We pray that you would cover them with your grace and your mercy, that you protect them from arrows that might be thrown their way, and that you would already work in the hearts of those that are going to join in the future uh, to come together as friends, to learn, to support, and to build new leaders. So we're so thankful, Lord, and we just praise you, and we just look forward to the opportunity to expand your kingdom through this network of believers. And now if you join me in the prayer that Christ taught his disciples, if you don't know the words, they will be on the screen for you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever, amen.
1: We're gonna begin, as Mike said, a new series today, and I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, I'm very nervous, and I'm nervous because I don't want in any way to uh, be confusing or misspeak. So let me try to explain the tension just a little bit, and then we'll work through it. So I don't mean to have a a dichotomy here, but I need to make it clear so I will. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, where God describes himself as, I am who I am. And that's a really, really weighted, complicated thing to try to explain. Scholars have been trying to explain it for 3,000 years, and they don't know what to do with it. So, here, what, what, how, what, what am I going to say, right? Well, wow. So, we have that idea, but we have to connect it to the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And so, what, I don't want to have a dichotomy, but what I'm trying to do is bridge the Old Testament holy, holy, holiness of God with Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. I am the true vine, I am the gate, I am the way. And so I, it's gonna, I, I worry it's gonna feel like it's this or this, and what I'm trying to do today is to put them together so this makes sense to you. Because the God who's revealed in Exodus three, well, let me just be frank. Get in the picture please, uh, Jim? Just imagine you are walking down by the lake And all of a sudden, there is this bush that starts to blaze. And in the blaze comes a voice. And in your spirit, you know it's God talking. What would your response be if you saw a blaze, heard a voice, an authoritative voice that talked to you and gave you an assignment? Now, my opinion this is why I've said many times over these past decades, I believe that when Jesus comes back the second time, I believe the whole earth will be absolutely terrified. And I use this phrase over and over, and let me give it one more time. The fires of heaven burn hotter than the fires of hell. If God actually let you see who God is. God is spirit, father, son, spirit. If God let us see, we would be absolutely terrified. In the Old Testament, God has revealed what? As a fire, as a cloud, as an earthquake, as a, war, as, a, as a hurricane. People don't know what to do. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the imagery of the Old Testament Now, what's really interesting then is Jesus, who last week we talked about lives Jesus changed over the last season of Lent, and last week Thomas, and we had the picture of hand in the side and so tender. What do we do with that Jesus? That Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. The one who said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who says, I'm the good shepherd. How do we reconcile these two things? And that's the task. If we understand that our God is holy, different, separated, way beyond us, and yet somehow in the person of Jesus, so accessible. See, this is the thing I'm, tra- I'm gonna really push you on these next weeks. The person of Jesus, so he gives us seven metaphors because we, we can't deal with this. In my age and my stage, this is just, so forgive me if I, this is off-putting. I don't have time for trivial stuff anymore. The world is in such a state of disrepair. There are so many great challenges. I don't want to play church anymore. I want to be with a group of people who are just absolutely convinced that Jesus Christ is who he has said he is and who want to be committed to him and his reign and his life. And this, I'm, part of my tension is I sat here this morning, came in really, really early, and I, and I sat there and I thought, what, what would I do if for just a moment the holiness of God was revealed to me? What would you do? If, if God let you see who God is, And the crazy thing about the Christian faith is, we have a God who comes in human form, like Jesus, who let us go ahead, touch the side. Go ahead, touch. He lived among us. He's a he. It just blows my mind. How do I balance this holy, holy, holy other God with a Jesus who says, "I'm the way, I'm the truth." I'm the life. See, so that's gonna be our challenge. That's what I'm, I'm inviting us into today. So, and having said that, let me take you to Exodus chapter three, and let's look at this story behind this picture. Hope I didn't create more confusion. So I'm gonna read chapter three, and I'm gonna talk you through it just a little bit, because there's, there's so much here that's it's hidden in, in the, just straight up, so I need to do a little explaining. So Exodus chapter 3, the person, the main character for our guest, the main character, I mean, named Moses has been out in the desert for 40 years. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now the next phrase, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, that, that's a description in the Old Testament of God. That's called the description of the pre-incarnate Christ. So that's a description of Jesus. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, and it did not burn up. Now, the picture again, please. So I want you to see this now. This, this, when you have the phrase later on, I am who I am, this burning bush, it does not burn up. It it just started. It it doesn't stop. It's a picture of who God is. Different. Holy. So so all of a sudden there's a voice coming out of this. This bush. This burning bush. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Now, verse 4, when the Lord, now, when you look at capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your Bible, that is the word for Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. It's used 5,000 times in the Old Testament. This is the primary word for God, for, for the Lord, this specific, particular one. He said, uh, take off your sandals, I'm sorry, verse 4, when the Lord saw he had gone over to look. He called to him from in the bush, "Moses, Moses!" And Moses said, "Here I am." Now that's a Hebrew euphemism, which means this: "I am your servant." So the bo- the voice is coming through this bush, and he does this: "Here I am. I am your servant." Now that's how he starts, but look where it goes next. And Moses said, "Here I am." Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. So look at the picture again. I'm gonna exaggerate, but I'm not. We can just run into church on Sunday mornings because of Jesus. We can just run in here however we are, and we can just say, hey, I can worship, I can not, I can be attentive, I can blah, 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 whatever, whatever. If you stand in the presence of God, you know you are standing on holy ground. So what's he going to say to this man who all of a sudden is mindful? He is standing in the presence of God. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. For the place you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, footnote, fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Brothers and sisters, if God revealed himself to you, you could not look. You would be terrified. So let me just... We we can just prance around as Christians. Just think we do whatever we want and live however we want. Do you understand who your God is? And the crazy thing is, he reveals himself to us in Jesus, and that Jesus says, "Go ahead, put your finger right there. Go ahead, come on." It, 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 the story is just crazy. So Time up. So for the coming seven weeks, we're going to look at the Jesus who says, "I'm the Good Shepherd. I'm the Gate." I'm the way. I want you to sense this holy other God wants a relationship with you, with us. And we can't handle this. So God sends his son as a person, and the person says, I'm your way, I'm your truth. I'm your resurrection. I'm your true vine. And he impacts it all. Let's go on a little farther. Verse 7. Then the Lord, now this is all, this is all Hebrew. The Hebrews like to tell stories. So don't read it like God just all of a sudden, oh, jeepers. For the first time I get to see the people of Israel. This This is Hebraism at its best. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave labor. I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now look at the question. But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, what's the posture? I don't know. I think he's asking the question right here. Who am I that I should go? He does not know if he has what it takes to be the person God's calling him to be. And so he just says, who am I? Now, I think that's really a critical question for all of us. Because I think part of it, part of it is identity, maybe. Maybe part of it is, uh, who am I? God, how do you know me? But I think a deep part is this. I don't think you can use me. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. And now God's gonna address that By telling him his name. So let's go follow on. See what it says next. It says, Moses said to God, verse 12, God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you, that it's I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you, that's a plural, will worship God on this mountain. So the promise is 40 years in the future. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What's the deal with names? The name of a person for the Hebrews reflected their character, their reputation, their power, and their authority. So let me give you an example. If you look, just read the gospel accounts, read the Old Testament stories, people's names are changed. From Simon to Peter, from Abram to Abraham, right? James, when you cast out demons, when I've cast out demons, the when the Lord has cast out demons through the prayers of which I was a part, the demons often ask who I am, and then they want me to ask them who they are, because now think, think of the story in the Gospels. When the demons are screaming, who are you? The understanding to the Hebrews was if you know someone's name, you can control them because you know their character, their responsibility, and their reputation. So he says, here, what's your name? What's your character? Now now stay with me here. I am gonna suggest you Moses had no clue who he was talking to. He doesn't. All he knows is it's other. I mean, it's big time other. Who's the other? He doesn't know. So look how God starts to describe Himself. He says, "I am the God." Uh, let's see. I'm jumping all around here. Moses said to 13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now here God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Look at the burning bush again. So the imagery of the burning bush is to reflect something that never stops, that is supernatural, that is not explainable. So he's given him, God's given him an image of who he is. I am who I am. I am who I will be. It, I mean, there's all kinds of translations. No one knows how to translate this. So what does it mean fundamentally? It means fundamentally that God has always existed. God is always active. That God's kingdom is always coming. It's about the bigness and majesty and grandeur of God. I am who I am. Now, time out, time out. Now, for seven weeks... I am the good shepherd. Who? Jesus, in the flesh, is a good shepherd. He is the true vine. Who? The holy one, the vine. He is the way. Who? The holy one. And all through the gospels, John is trying to show us God has come in the flesh to live among us to show us what God's kingdom is like. Now, it's interesting, if you read the book of John carefully, there are seven I am statements. In the book of John, there are seven miracles. And the miracles and the I am statements are right together. They're trying to clearly communicate who this God is. Go a little farther now, almost almost done the passage. God also said to Moses, verse 15, "Save the Israelites, the Lord, here's the word 5,000 times, I am who I am, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. What's the name? It's the Lord. I am who I am. Now, let me just show you. I'm going to take you to the New Testament, and we'll come back, okay? John chapter 8. Here's Jesus. He's going to live out what we just read to people who want to kill him. John chapter 8, verse 48. And I'm particularly concerned, verses 57 and 58, and 59. But I'm going to read from 48 to 49. John chapter 8, 48. So now the people who are disagreeing with Jesus, or attacking him. Verse 48. The Jews answered Jesus. Aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Now, look up for one second. So what's one of the I am's from that verse? I am the resurrection... In the life. The one who believes in me will never die. Right there. So here's Jesus starting to poke on who he is. Let's go on. Look at the next verse. He says in verse 30, 52 At this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say, Whoever obeys your word will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, gnosko, to experience, to know from experience, personally experience, a husband knows wife, that's the word, I know him. If I said I did not, I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now think about those words. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not 50, yet 50 years old, they said. And they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Fifty-eight. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born. What the next two words? There it is. Before Abraham. That's thousands of years before. So Jesus, all, all through, all through the gospel, he's using these I am statements to point out who this holy, holy, holy God is. This, I don't, I think, I can't communicate this for well. I, I am, is that, can I think of a word picture. Maybe this works. I, I was told that when Queen Elizabeth was in her, and uh, her previous Queen of England was in her, her height of glory, uh, she's a very tiny woman, very slight, t- short. When she would wear her million dollar crown and she'd wear all her jewels, They said when this tiny little woman walked into rooms, people gasped. (gasps) Can you imagine if just for a moment you glimpsed and saw God? Not Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, the circle. You got to see holy, holy, holy. Can you imagine that? And because God knows we can't deal with that, he sends us his son who looks like us. He's a man like, a person like us. Lived a normal life like us. When the errors were here, I, I never quite thought about this. For 30 of us, 33 years, no one said a thing about him. No one talked about him. There was no notoriety. For 30 years, he probably worked with his hands. He probably just did his job all day long. He did what he was called to do in his occupation. And then for three years, we got a glimpse of who our God is. And we see our God in the person of Jesus. And Jesus, this Jesus, says to us Go ahead. Go ahead. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't kill us. He doesn't terrify us. He says, I'm your good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the gate and the door. Because he wants a deep relationship with us. So the two questions that I've tried to poke at, you probably caught them. One was, who am I, verse 11, and then who are you, verses 14 and 15. I am who I am. So now let's go to the seven I am. Nine and ten, please, Jim. So these are the seven I am's we're going to look at. So starting next week, I am the bread of life. I am, no, when you see these, I want you to think. When you see I am, you need to think the burning bush. You need need to think W-H-O-L-L-Y, other. I am, Jesus is the bread of life. Every week we offer communion. Brothers and sisters, this is the bread of life. What do we say? The body which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. What do we say? The cup which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. I am the bread of life. Very tangibly, very clearly, he's giving us ideas and metaphors that make this holy, holy, holy God accessible. Not just accessible, he wants a relationship with us. Next slide, please. So what comes after that? I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection, the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the true vine. When you ever see I am, think holy, holy Holy, and then the metaphor. Accessible, available to us. Um, let's see. Now, slide 11, please. So, this is, we, we, on uh, Tuesdays, All the, there's like six of us who are preaching this series, and we meet, and we spent time together. Last week, Tuesday, this is the sentence, we came on together. So every week, we're going to lift this to you as an opportunity because of I am this incredible holy, other amazing incredibly big God because of this who says I'm the bread of life I will. So let me give you an example of, of uh, for next week. This is just jumping ahead. I'm the bread of life. So perhaps you notice i got to be, be careful here. We are offering opportunities for people to gather at a certain place and what's what people don't know until now, I'll tell you. Someone gave $1,000 in cash and said, whenever those people gather, you buy Cokes and nachos. It's on me. So if you go to this place with other men or college students, somebody is touched by, I am the bread of life. So their response was, because of I am, I will give a $1,000 and pray for bread for college students after the 11 o'clock service and for guys who want to talk about the sermon. Every week, we're going to ask you, how could you apply the I am to how you live this week? But it goes back to because of who God is. See, this is not about earning salvation. This is not about doing nice things. This is, I am so struck by the bigness, the goodness, the wonder of God that I want to do something. So, let me segue where we're going to go in the next few minutes. And I don't want to be hokey, but I want to create an opportunity, if you'd like, I asked the Mike and the worship leaders, I'd like to end with two songs. The first song is Holy, Holy, Holy. And the second is Because of the the Great I Am. And what I'm hoping is just for a few moments together, we as a community of faith will be struck by the awesome, holy majesty of God. And when we sing holy, 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 we're going to sing it because we mean it. And the great I am has a whole different tone to it. But here's the catch now. I don't want to be cheesy. But if you are led, why don't you take off your shoes and sing? That's what Moses did. Take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Or this. Or this. No. Now that, that'd be a stretch for a lot of us, including me. But if God showed up here this morning, what would your posture be? Hey, dude. Really? If God showed up? I think we would say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heavens and the earth are filled with his glory. Let's pray, let's respond. Lord, we wanna say thank you for revealing yourself to us in ways we both can and cannot understand. How is it, Lord, that you who spoke all of creation into existence with words, whose very presence caused demons to quake, came to us in the person of Jesus and lived and died and rose so that we can have a relationship with you. How can this be? So we acknowledge your amazing grace. We are struck by your faithfulness. We honor the gift of salvation. And we bless the coming new heaven and new earth. So, Lord, in these next moments, as we we sing to you, we pray we'd honor you with our hearts and with our lives. So accept our praise and our thanks.
0: We offer them in the name of Jesus. Amen.